This is Living Proof Radio, May 2024. All of our full episodes are available on our Patreon with weekly drops, a Patreon-only radio show, and Living Proof magazine delivered to your house every issue, as well as our entire members-only library backlog. Patreon.com slash York. All right, cool. We're live. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Joel Khan. I'm super excited for this. I'm just going to get right into it and talk about the fact that the number one killer in, is it America or the world, is heart disease before cancer, before diabetes, before accidents? In the world, it's actually high blood pressure, Okay, which can cause stroke, heart disease, kidney failure. Mm-hmm. In the United States specifically, it's the heart attack, stroke segment of uh, this very common problem. Yeah, and kills more people than cancer, diabetes, accidents, and all of those things, yet it's a lot of it is largely largely preventable. And you say in some other talk that it is possible to be 90 years old and have the arteries of a 20-year-old, stating examples like the Blue Zones, uh, Okinawa, Japan, Loma Linda, or the Chimane tribe, and Norway as another example in World War II was occupied but their deaths went down because they just didn't have the meat and the rich foods to eat anymore. How is this possible? Well, so the idea that it's possible to be 90 without heart disease is not a theory. There are ways to check arteries. I have patients in my practice that are 90, we've checked and they don't have plaque. So it, it is not inevitable. It's clearly more common that as time goes by, you guys, let me just point out, just start on a healthy lifestyle with a plant diet and hopefully some fitness, don't smoke and all, at 18 or 22 is perfect. No, 16, 15 is fine too. And many people raise you know, all healthy vegan children. That's even more amazing. But this idea, it's a statistical thing. You probably know area under the curve. The more years you've got your lifestyle different than the average American the more years you've got your diet better than the average American. And I started at age 18 to eat all plant-based and I've always worked out a little bit every day at least, if not more than that, never marathons or triathlons. You know, the more years you keep going, the better. So um, this particular patient of mine who uh, is 90 and had perfectly clean arteries happened to adopt something called the Pritikin diet where they teach a whole food plant diet was in Santa Monica. Now it's in Miami. It's a real physical space to upgrade your health and fitness. And this woman practiced that for 45 years and at age 90, her arteries were fine. Now I can't say she would have been the lucky one, even if she was an eggs, bacon, couch potato, but I don't think that would have been the case. So, um, and we know that you can mess up your arteries on average with things like smoking, lack of attention to diet, lack of attention to fitness, poor sleep, managing stress poorly. And there are genetic inputs and some people have more favorable genetics, uh, things you can measure in the blood or cheek swabs and people do this like ancestry.com, 23andMe. And some people have unfavorable genetics and you're not trapped, but you're probably not gonna come out at age 90 clean. So it just gives us hope that if we spend as much attention on managing our lifestyle as we do on planning weddings and trips and 
you know, uh, building houses, we may actually live long enough to enjoy all that longer. Then we just got to finance it so we can pay for it into our 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah, of course. Um, I was going to say how you spoke about genetics on a different um, interview, and you talk about how it's not necessarily genetics, but it can also be bad habits that can be passed down from generation to generation. And um, some estimates actually study that 93% of cardiovascular diseases are related, relatable to lifestyle and only 7% are related to genes. Yeah, that number varies amongst various measurements and academics from the, the least input of genetics is what you just quoted. And I'm thinking of uh, Russell Jaffe, MD, PhD, who says it's 7 to 8% genetics and 92, 93% diet, fitness, sleep, stress. Um, to maybe 25%, maybe genetics. Uh, but that's still the bulk of it, if not you know, the other number, almost all of it. We use that term, your genes load the gun, but your diet and lifestyle pulls the trigger. Anyway, the worst situation is having a bad genetic inheritance. You may not know it, but you can measure it if you want to. And a bad lifestyle still could come out okay. There's a factor of uncertainty, but it's not something you would bet on as an investment to pick somebody with that. And obviously the best is if you knew your genetic inheritance for heart disease was favorable and you got on a good lifestyle early, you're in great shape. You better wear a bike helmet, wear a seatbelt, be careful. But then there's all those people in between that inherit some genetic risk. Those that pay attention to their lifestyle versus those that ignore it there can be a very, very, you know, as much as in a Harvard study, 12 to 14 years better and longer life by paying attention to your lifestyle. That's a lot of years, 12 to 14, you know, a lot of sunsets and sunrises, birthday parties, all the rest. Yeah, absolutely. And I had a question thinking about how I hear a lot about the different, not everyone should be eating the same diet that everyone, it's according to blood type. And I don't know much about this, but I know that you as a cardiologist, you advocate a plant-based li- uh, diet for the majority, if not all people. What do you have to, is that true that not all people have to eat the same thing or how does it work? So I guess I didn't say this, but just for your audience, um, at age 18, entering the University of Michigan, having grown up in a house with very good food, but very standard mix of, you know, some vegetables and some meat and all the rest. I stopped eating at age 18, all dairy, all eggs, all fish, all meats, white and red meats, and never went back. So for me, I'm almost 62. It's 44 years of doing it this way. Uh, I'm alive. Uh, I have enough protein. I'm on no prescription drugs. Uh, My lab numbers are pretty good. And I've done advanced testing on my arteries. My arteries reflect a much younger internal age. That's what I do with my patients in my clinic. So I did that out of a reaction in a dormitory to horrible food in a great salad bar. But when I finished my cardiology training way back in 1990, before you guys were born, a major study was published. And really at that point, I was a cardiologist over here and I was a plant-based eater in the cafeteria and at home, but they didn't mesh. But in 1990, a study came out that said, if you have advanced blocked arteries, which could put you at risk for heart attack, stroke, death, and you adopt a whole food plant diet, you might actually be able to slowly, progressively reverse some of the damage that was done, potentially more powerful and with less risk and side effect and less expense than medication and surgery. 
And that spoke to me. It was only three weeks into my official first job, first career. So I've been teaching every patient for 30 years now. You know, yeah, here's a prescription and this is what a surgery is, but you might be able to beat the rap by lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. Getting to your exact question, um, we don't know. I strongly believe any, if I just delivered gorgeous meals to the house of anybody, breakfast, lunch, dinner, cleaned out their refrigerator, cleaned out their freezer, got rid of all the crap in their pantry. And I just brought you the best foods in the world. Beautiful purple cabbages and green peppers and red bell peppers and quinoa and brown rice and oatmeal and uh, you know fresh juices and the rest from green sources and such. I think everybody would do great uh, and would love it. Now, does the science definitively say with, with I'll just add, attention to a few of the proper nutrients. You got to get enough omega-3. Mm-hmm. I love ground flaxseed, love chia seeds, love hemp hearts, uh, vitamin D, which you can get from mushrooms, you can get from fortified plant milks. Yep. You might want to take a supplement, of course, a little B12. But with that aside, I think everybody would do good. Do we absolutely know that for sure? Are there some people that have trouble with substances in plants. There's something called phytates, something called lectins. We think if it's true, it's a very, very tiny proportion. These are called anti-nutrients. Yeah. But man, they get a lot of attention in the paleo community, the keto community podcast. A friend of mine who's a PhD in nutrition and brilliant just two weeks ago published a paper on anti-nutrients and I just read it this weekend. And you know, really at every step she had to conclude there's really not enough evidence to say that lectins, which can be found in beans, peas, yeah. lent, are really an issue in human health. There really isn't enough. Could be true for a few people, there's not enough data. Same thing with oxalates and phytates. No. So, you know, if, if not 100%, when you see a Miley Cyrus give up on it, or you see Liam Hemsworth, her former, I think, husband, give up on it, or Mike Tyson, is, you know, have they had the right blood? Has somebody really liked what they're eating? Is somebody, you know, made sure they got enough omega-3 and vitamin D and B12 and, you know, whole foods? I don't know the answer and really nobody knows the answer. Uh, if not 100%, 95% of people would thrive, feel better. There's a very cool study about three to four years ago now, just to show you the power of this. They took 20 individuals living in um, urban Pittsburgh, pretty much inner city Pittsburgh, eating inner city buckets of fried chicken and uh, hominy grits and the whole thing. Pretty Southern diet, even though it was Pittsburgh. And for two weeks, they fed them the diet of shrub uh, uh, people in South Africa, uh, really like root vegetables and nuts and seeds. And they actually did the experiment opposite in a village in South Africa. They took away their native high complex carbohydrate natural diet. And they gave them fast food and soda and french fries to eat. But they did hundreds of various tests. And in just two weeks, the good gut health and the good blood markers of the South Africans eating a natural diet went to hell giving them an American processed food diet. And in two weeks, the diet and the measurements they made, sophisticated DNA measurements and all of gut health and brain health and blood health went uh, so much better So in Pittsburgh by introducing root vegetables and fresh vegetables and whole foods. So you can really, and nobody didn't do well. Everybody responded the yeah. same, slightly different degrees. So, you know, you can really upgrade your health, including your gut health in two mm-hmm. weeks. 
by just ditching garbage and either adopting a completely or nearly completely whole food plant-based diet. But you know, it isn't you ditch beef patties and you start eating three impossible burgers a day. They may be, we can talk about it. There's three reasons why Beyond Meat and Impossible Burger is better than a beef patty, Mm. but it's not a black bean burger or a bowl of beans and chili and brown rice. Those still beat the heck out of, you know, the Beyond Meat Burger. So I think the blood type diet has largely been debunked. Okay. Nobody believes it really predicts anything. Well, you know, now we have, here, I'll show you. just for interest. I'm interested in vitamins as a research project. So I swabbed my cheek, okay. sent the swab off to a company for a hundred bucks. And I got about 20. This is a list of them. This is my data. 20, they're called SNPs, but they're sort of genetic inputs. How do I handle omega-3? How do I handle fat? How do I handle oxidative stress and uh, energy and free radicals? And we're not identical. So they actually, then they custom design a multivitamin for you based on your mm. genetics. You need a and it's actually interesting. It's very expensive, but it's all natural products. It could be a little bit more ground up turmeric in mine and you get a little bit more flexi. That's amazing. But, and, and there's companies that do that. They're called nutrigenomics. Then they try and predict for you, you know, how to adjust your diet based on that. There's no real prospective data that that's necessary, cost-effective. Eat your friggin' vegetables, eat yeah. your fruits, eat your whole grains. Um, you'll have a little gas when you add in beans, peas, and lentils. And if you sprout them or rinse them or soak yeah. them over, it'll be less of a problem. Yeah. And the odds are you're going to feel wonderful. I mean, there's way more testimonials and science to support. Uh, that should work for just about everybody at every age, from mm. children to you know, Gen X do even the elderly. Yeah. Can't you eradicate and get rid of most of the lectins or a good amount of by soaking the beans and all that overnight? And those are the anti-nutrients. You got to soak them. You got to pressure cook them adequately. Or we have in Michigan, and I don't own stock, a brand, but it's natural called Eden Beans. They're, you know, they're non-GMO. They're pressure cooked. The can's not lined with toxic chemicals. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, they test them. There's no lectins testable in them. So the only mistake is, I mean, there was this famous doc three years ago, uh, Dr. Gundry, he would call them killer lectins. You eat five raw kidney beans, you will die. And he scared enough people that he has a multi hundred million dollar vitamin business based on, you know, nonsense, garbage, Uh hashtag fake news before we said it as frequently as we say now. Well, I wouldn't suggest you eat raw red kidney beans. Go try it someday. You'll break your molars. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody eats raw, uncooked red kidney beans. Not a good idea. You can get an upset stomach. You're not going to die. There are instances where people ate undercooked red kidney beans and they got an upset stomach. Uh, and all. But yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, Very little precaution. A pressure cooker, we have an instant pot at home soak them overnight, sprout them. There's no issue at all. Same with right. phytates and all these others. Anti-nutrients is usually undercooking or just bad kitchen skills. But you don't have to be, you know, any kind of superstar. And, you know, frankly, most people are buying canned beans, which have been pressure cooked. And as I say, this particular brand is just my favorite. So mm-hmm. not a problem. In terms of the fatty acids and the vitamin B12 for the nervous system and the blood, the fatty acids for the brain, what other uh, supplements or 
you know, uh, kind of like stranger things such as the ground flaxseed, the ground chia, the hemp hearts that maybe people wouldn't normally adopt into their diet, but they should if they're following a 100% plant-based diet. What other supplements and things would you suggest that we eat? Like I myself, I would like to know this for me. No, yeah. And it's best if we want this movement to work well and help people and not lose people. Yeah. We talk about the fact, here's all the benefits, you know, uh, tons of vitamins, tons of fiber, tons of special nutrients called plant nutrients or phytonutrients that you're never going to find. You're never going to find fiber in a piece of chicken. Mm -hmm. You're likely to have cleaner food with less hormones and pesticides and herbicides and PCBs and all the rest. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about data. You're less likely to develop high blood pressure, erectile dysfunction, cancer, diabetes. Athletes can thrive. Go watch the game changers. Let's talk about the benefits. But on the other hand, it's not a bad thing to talk about possibly a couple weak spots. Yeah. B12, because B12 is not made by cows. It's not made by humans. It's made by bacteria and dirt. Yeah. And we wash our food and um, and all, and they actually inject cows with B12. 80% of the B12 in the United States is added to animals by injection. Mm -hmm. So the consumer thinks that eh, meat's got B12 plants still. Well, cow can't make B12 either. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions. Mm -hmm. um, vitamin D, we talked now lately with COVID about having exposure to vitamin D. Mushrooms are very rich in vitamin D and fortified milks are rich in vitamin D. And I'm really big on hitting omega-3 foods, chia, flax, hemp, walnuts, leafy greens. I take a lot of spirulina and chlorella, yep. organic brands, really high quality. They're superstars of omega-3 and protein. You don't have to do that, but it's just something I enjoy doing. Um, if there's any question, and this is fancy, but I have a clinic and I see vegans and non-vegans, I check blood levels. What's your B12? What, you know, if you've been vegan for two, three years, you want to might want to confirm your vitamin levels are okay. You can check an omega-3 blood level if you have health insurance. These usually will be covered or you can send your blood off to some specialty labs where you pay and it's pretty simple to do. There are some solutions and uh, I'll disclose, I have an interest in one of the vitamins, it's called Complement Plus. Have you ever seen it? No, I have Complement not. Plus is, you know, uh, there's a famous athlete, long distance runner named Matt Frazier. He's known as nomeatathlete.com. He's got okay. hundreds of thousands of followers. Good guy, very honest guy. He wanted to come up with a multivitamin that just absolutely covers 99% of these micronutrient vitamin issues. So there's a vitamin out, Complement Plus. It's a capsule, what's in it? Algae omega-3, real pure source. B12, real pure kind. Vitamin D3, real good amount. A little iodine. Iodine's important for yep. your thyroid. If you're eating sea vegetables, I, uh, this is my office, but I eat here at lunch. I use a lot of sea kelp on my food. That's a source of iodine. Um, has a little magnesium, which isn't too much of a concern. Has a little um, uh, selenium. If you eat Brazil nuts, that's yeah. a nutrient you might want to get enough of from Brazil nuts. But anyways, and there may be zinc, a little zinc, which is good for the immune system. And you can eat sesame seeds. Anyways, and one multivitamin for vegans you've covered the bases. Now, not everybody needs to do that, but it, you know, we'd have to do a study. Here's a thousand new plant eaters. Here's a thousand that did plants plus complement plus. Let's check blood work or let's see in three years how many have stayed on track and feel great. Uh, it's certainly a safe and reasonable investment. You'll save money by not buying meat, by not buying chicken, by not buying expensive cheeses. Mm. And you, know, you can save money buying beans and rice and 
go to a farmer's markets and try and stock up or frozen fruits and vegetables, which are less expensive. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the cost of the complement plus won't even reach what you'd be getting if you were eating meat, you know, regularly, unless you're eating just low level quality meat, which you shouldn't be eating. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to talk, I was going to ask you about, they say in modern uh, cardiology, there's about two options, which is stents and bypass surgery. But there's also a third one, which no one brings up, which is lifestyle change. Right. And I was going to ask how, why do you think that the third option, lifestyle change, they make it to seem like as if it's not practical, as if like the first two are definite and like that's the route you're supposed to go. Yeah, I was going to get to that. <laughs> and it was it goes back $1 to the bill in the cardiologist's pocket, you know. It's, <laughs> and I was going to um, I was going to say, go back to the bad habits, how it's passed down from generation to generation. It's almost like tradition. If you look into an average uh, Western fridge, the, the the food in there is very similar if you go from household to household. And you think it's just about money? You think it's just a big business? Why do you think that? Yeah, like, you hit on all of it. And I just want to point out, if you look at a fancy cardiologist money clip, you know, you just uh, get yourself one of those little uh, springy things. It works great. Um, so, one, do we actually know what you said is true? Could we take the majority of people that actually, maybe they've been to an emergency room, they've had symptoms. I mean, these aren't just people off the street mm -hmm. and we've identified serious heart disease. Could we actually treat them with just lifestyle and maybe a couple of prescription drugs mm -hmm. and avoid cutting their chest open and putting them, you know, where their brain goes to sleep for 45 minutes, 60 minutes, risk of stroke, risk of brain problems, risk of infection, or putting in stents, which I'm an expert at that and done that thousands of time, but you can die from the stent. Uh, uh, it works well most of the time, but if it, grandma dies, it's a sad deal. Can you really equal the outcome with a change in lifestyle? Better diet, better fitness, better stress management. So back in 1990, the very famous Dr. Dean Ornish, MD, did that study. A very sick group of heart patients, they actually were so sick, they weren't going to get bypass or balloons, but they were going to get just medication or a lifestyle program of a plant diet, yoga, meditation, walking, no smoking. And he showed that they stopped having heart symptoms if they changed their lifestyle. They did stress tests on them. Their stress tests actually improved dramatically, which is objective. Nobody's got bias. And they actually went back inside and looked at their arteries and they found that the arteries slowly, slowly started to reverse the plaque. That's the study I saw three weeks after I finished my training and began my job. But there still is the idea that was a small study. It was elegant. It was excellent technology. Just to fast forward, that was 1990. Dr. Ornish showed you could save a lot of money by not cutting the chest open or doing balloons and stents. And he thought for sure insurance companies like Blue Cross or Humana would be interested in saving money as long as it was safe for the patient. Well, they kept saying not enough data, not enough data, not enough data. But in 2010, it took 20 years, 10 years ago, the data from Dr. Ornish and another one, I think I mentioned Mr. Pritikin, um, who was not an MD, but accumulated huge data on lifestyle plant diets, uh, that our government, Medicare, Medicaid said, whoa, rather than bypass or something, you could go to one of these programs and we'll pay for you. But very few patients even know that in their community, there might be a heart disease reversal lifestyle program that insurance will pay for called Ornish, O-R-N-I-S-H, or Pritikin, P-R-I-T-I-K-I-N. 
So one, we do know. Number two, very importantly, because you still say it's not practical. Um, in April of this year, 2020, uh, there was a paper published, the most expensive cardiology trial ever been done called the ischemia trial. It's a fancy Latin word that means poor blood flow. And to get in that study over 5,000 patients internationally, you had to have bad chest pain, emergency room, bad blocked arteries, but you were well enough that with medication you could leave the hospital to either come back in a week or two to have bypass or stents, or amazingly, continue medication, learn to eat a low-fat, healthier diet. It wasn't fully plant-based because they just didn't incorporate that. Learn to walk every day. Three years later, they asked the question, who had a better chance of survival? Those that went to bypass or stents, those that took medication, changed their lifestyle. The answer was it was an absolutely exact same outcome. There was no advantage to saving lives by rushing people towards it. So the point of all that is we actually do know this ischemia study, just like Dr. Ornish in 1990, if the medical system really cared primarily about patient outcome or patient safety or cost of procedures, Dr. Ornish should have changed the medical world in 1990. He did for some people like me, very few. And right now, if you went out to cardiologists and asked a question on the street, like uh, they do on TV shows, comedy shows, who's Dr. Dean Ornish? 90% of cardiologists, maybe more, would never have heard of him. But with this new study, you, and you had to know about it, it made headlines in every newspaper. It was published in the prestigious New England Journal of Medicine. I mean, we heard about it in November at the American Heart Society. Every cardiologist knows about this ischemia study. I, I just estimate 95% of them have ignored it. There's been no drop in bypass. There's been no drop in stents um, because it's the revenue stream for hospitals, for groups, for, you know, for um, uh, individual physicians, surgeons, and cardiologists. It's the revenue stream. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you can be very complimentary about that. I've written many, many articles since that paper came out, hoping some people will see it, get a second opinion. Don't rush to have bypass, particularly if you've been discharged to go home. If you're stuck in the hospital, you're stuck in the hospital, you might have really bad disease. Doctors aren't bad people, but yes, they think it's too hard to change. They think it's putting them at risk of being sued. Well, you've got this study now. You're, I mean, you've got a study that says, I let Mrs. You know, Smith go home on these medications with this advice, just like the ischemia study. I can tell you in a court of law, you just defended yourself, but it's, it's not happening. My hope would be that a big organization like Kaiser, everybody works for the massive insurance company, will institute a rule before you have bypass or a stent. You've got to meet the criteria of the ischemia study. And if you do, you don't get it. And we'll follow you and we'll build programs to teach you better health. But uh, so far, we're not very good at teaching health. We're very good at taking care of sick people. I wanted to speak on the immune system. And I know that a large part of the immune system lies in the gut. And the gut bacteria largely eats fiber. And right. the fiber... They love pomegranates, those little critters. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm serious. Feed, you, feed yourself pomegranates. And the fiber is only found in, in plant foods. Right. And most people, even some people who are vegan or plant-based, they don't, well, I wouldn't even, I don't know if you can call them plant-based. They don't get enough vegetables because I know a lot of people who uh, switch, switch their diet, but they're mainly eating like, let's say, uh, 
you know, like just all the new, the new uh, products that exist in the supermarket, like the diet cheese and just like microwaveable meals. A little bit of fiber in the Beyond Meat burger, but it's very small, right? Mm -hmm. What would you say, how big of really is, an, is it of an impact of that fiber for your gut health in terms of your immune system, which now more than ever is very crucial? Yeah, well, when you talk, you know, you're talking to a young crowd, you guys are young and probably many of your listeners are young. Um, you know, this isn't a scare show, but there's just two things come to mind. I mean, heart attacks at your age are, you know, you better, you're probably doing a line of crack or cocaine if you're having a heart attack at your age. It's very rare. But actually, there has been an increase in strokes in the 20 to 35-year-old population. And equally scary is colorectal cancer. And I don't wish that on anybody. We just lost that actor in LA at age 42 that he was battling colorectal cancer. Chadwick, um, like his last time, I apologize. I didn't really know him as an actor. Um, you know, contracted colorectal cancer at age 38. Uh, if you guys, you guys know who Chris Wark is? Chris Pete Cancer? No. Wark, you should have him on your show. Chris, W-A-R-K, at age 26, was diagnosed with a actual cancer around his appendix. Jesus. And he did have surgery to remove it. And then he started reading online as he was recovering before chemotherapy and radiation. And he started finding natural stuff on juicing and plant diets and natural health. So he refused chemo and radiation. And he's 40 years old now and great. Got a massive audience of natural health. He's not a doctor. But, um, you know, if a 26-year-old uh, can have appendiceal cancer, all, both those diseases of strokes, cancer, um, yeah, just managing your weight, managing your skin, they're related to fiber. They're related to the quality of your diet. Um, you know, you want to be, a, uh, wanna be a, a demon in bed. You want to be eating not junk food. You want to not be eating processed, high-fat, animal-rich foods, you know, in a yellow bag. They're just not good for your sexual response. That'll catch some people. You know, acne, skin quality, a lot of it's related to dairy and the quality of your diet. That'll catch some people. But you know, if they're really into serious statistics, uh, what you're doing to your colon and when it's you know, processed red meats, you know, in October 2015, the World Health Organization announced, rather surprisingly, we've researched all the data in the world. We've concluded bacon, hot dog, pepperoni, salami, isn't just a risk for cancer. It absolutely causes cancer of the colon. And cancer of the colon is happening earlier in age. Again, another moment that should have been, wow, if this stuff causes cancer, we should get it out of hospitals, number one, get it out of schools, number two, so patients, their family and children and students learn that this is serious. Yeah, it's a drop in the bucket. Nobody paid attention to it. And the data is still valid. It's never been denied. It's not like it was a scary study that over uh, called the issue. It's a real deal. So yeah, you need fiber to have good bowel movements. You need fiber, which is plant food to have good skin. You need fiber to avoid some diseases which are creeping into younger people. The fiber, you know, for good sexual response. And you're right, there is no beef tree. There is no beef that grows on trees that has fiber running through it. It, uh, it lacks all fiber. So yeah, you wanna uh, get, you know, anything from any fruit to any vegetable, any whole grain to any legume, bean, pea, lentil, and you'll have a wealth of fiber. Yeah. I wanted to speak about, it's related to this topic, um, mindful eating, because 
you said that 40 plus years ago, that's when you became plant-based and it wasn't trending as it is now. And I can only imagine that you had to cook your own food at that time. And I think that's what we've departed. Like we've disconnected from that now because it's very convenient to just order things from Uber Eats, from Seamless, whatever. And I feel like people aren't really cooking their own food and understanding that, you know, the energy that goes into eating your food is very important as well. Not only as the physical diseases you can catch, but you can catch, you know, bad mindsets. You can be grouchy. You can be disconnected from, you know, because eating is very important. I've seen that you talk about in an interview that you're very mindful of not only eating, but what you intake in terms of what you watch, what you eat, who you talk to. So what you, how important is that nowadays? Yeah. Uh, um, well, that's what you're doing. I mean, there are legitimately people, maybe many, maybe the majority, that don't understand that food, you know, Hippocrates, you can say food is medicine, or at least it's, you know, food is a pathway to health. Food is a pathway to disease. Um, it's not only for 80 and 90 year olds. It's true for people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, if not younger, that if you're being careful about your workouts at the gym, if you're being careful about your appearance, if you'd like to be, you know, studly as a man or a woman, I mean, food is a path to very quickly improve your gut health, your facial appearance and skin health, which is clearly derived from uh, food as an input and plant-based diets are actually known to help uh, and sexual health. So, um, you know, first you got to break down, I believe that idea that food really is a medicine. And if you want to maintain your good health or upgrade your health, there's nothing better than adding a big giant green smoothie or a big giant salad every day or uh, finding a good carryout restaurant that, you know, Chipotle bowls aren't great, the sofrito bowl, but at least you got an organic meal, throw some greens in there for God's sakes. But, uh, you know, you got a meal that's still pretty easy to manage. But, you know, we're rushing, we're mindless, we're looking at cost. And, you know, there is ultimately a price to pay for most of us for, you know, eating poorly. And you don't have to spend a lot of money to either get good carry out, concentrate on brown rice, concentrate on black beans, concentrate on uh, baked potatoes, concentrate on you know, some kind of green that you can get carry out and not too expensive. Or, you know, best is learn how to make a few dishes, uh, a veggie chili, a veggie soup, a gigantic salad. You know, salad bars were, that's what really sold me on the idea was the world's most amazing salad bar in my dormitory. And, that's all you need. You get protein from chickpeas and sunflower seeds and get vitamin C from red bell peppers and you get fiber from everything. And now don't kill it all with ranch dressing. Learn to love vinegars, red wine vinegar and a little extra virgin olive oil, avocado, you know, wasn't a big avocado eater, but all good with me, avocados, nuts and seeds. So yeah, you gotta be mindful, you know, then there's the actual process. You know, your nutrition's better if you slow down a little you know, that slow eating movement, slow cooking movement, but even just chewing your food, you actually will digest your food better. If you're eating, you want to chew your food if you're eating meat, because the number one cause of death from food is choking on red meat. So you better chew it. Uh, but when you're talking about, you know, plant-based foods, you just will release more of the nutrition if you pre-digest it in the mouth before you uh, plunk it down into the stomach. So you know, we all got to grab and go sometimes, but if you can, you know, take a few minutes of making food a mindful, semi-spiritual healing experience some of the time. And I'm a big fan of spices, 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 you know. 
Uh, they're just amazing. Fresh spices. That, you know, if you got a 10-year-old bottle of rosemary leaves, you're probably not in good shape. Get some spices and use them everywhere. I'm curry spices everywhere. I love a Middle Eastern spice called za'atar. I throw it on my food all the time. Uh-huh. Great stuff. In terms of um, muscle degeneration, uh, my I was told to ask this by a family member who found out that I was talking to you. Um, and he, as he grows older, his muscles start to degenerate and he was interested in sarcopenia, which for the listeners who don't know what that is, just like just a quick Google search on WebMD was telling me that after age of 30, every decade, three to 5% of your muscle mass can uh, just degenerate naturally. And I was wondering what you think in terms of maybe a food intake or even a lifestyle change could slow that down a little bit. Yeah. You know, not everybody gets older and gets frail and it's really not much of a concern in your twenties, thirties, forties, even in my age range, in my, you know, past my fifties into my sixties, but your parents and your grandparents, it's a real concern. You know, you don't want to be so frail in your eighties and your nineties, the wind blows, you fall over and break your hip. I mean, and you can just see people degenerate and now more and more we're learning. It's not inevitable aging. Um, you know, the best nutritional answer I can give, and of course you got to exercise and do weights and weight bearing exercise is a good thing. Um, doesn't have to be massive weights, but you know, you want to train your muscles. There's a very interesting study in 2014 that segues to the question, how much protein do you need? And one of the world's leading experts in nutrition is um, a scientist in Los Angeles, Dr. Walter Longo, L-O-N-G-O, probably will win a Nobel Prize in medicine one of these days soon. Amazing research for 25 plus years. And they published a paper, Harvard and the University of Southern California, Los Angeles, where they looked at almost 7,000 people and they looked at very careful dietary histories and how much protein did you eat and what diseases did you develop over time? Well, actually for most people, the higher the protein is in your diet, which is usually chicken, beef, pork, fish, the higher the rate of diseases, the higher the protein, the higher rate of diseases, like diabetes, like cancer, like heart disease. I mean, this isn't the only study. Um, And then they found, so they advised before age 65 to 70, actually a lower protein diet may avoid some of these diseases. So that for most people would be the advice, eat less chicken, eat less beef, eat more plants. Plants have plenty of protein, but occasionally it works out being a slightly lower protein diet. And their emphasis was that was an advantage. Now, they did find as you get much beyond 70 years, sarcopenia, that their data suggested people might want to increase their protein intake as a goal, which I would say more beans, more nuts, more seeds, uh, more leafy greens, which can be very broccoli, very rich in protein. Um, You know, uh, white potatoes, maybe 10% protein. You might want to do a little better than that if you're 70 plus. The other interesting thing they found when they dissected the data, when they looked at plant proteins like beans and peas and lentils and leafy greens, more and more and more protein from plant sources did not correlate with diabetes, cancer, and heart disease, quite the opposite. So at any age, you can really eat any number of plant-based protein sources, uh, which again are the legumes for sure and the vegetables and possibly whole grains can be very good. Uh, quinoa can be very high in protein and 100% whole wheat and uh, buckwheat and barley and amaranth and spelt and all that. 
uh, and not have a concern that yeah. boy that is going to cause disease. So, yeah, sarcopenia is real deal. Should a 75-year-old on a whole food plant-based diet, your grandparent, start doing protein smoothies or buy some organ protein organic drinks? Nobody knows, but if they're not eating the beans, peas, lentils, maybe it's a reasonable idea, but uh, that's certainly an unproven idea. So you want to basically, you want to, if you want to increase the protein, you want it to be plant-based protein so you do not have the risk of the cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and all the other stuff that comes along with, with um, you know, animal-based protein. Correct. Plus, you know, we all know all the examples like the Game Changers movie. You still yep. can be a bodybuilder. You still can be a weightlifter. You still can be a Tennessee Titan football player. Right. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry I have to do this, but... You're about to do a do a handstand real quick. So, because you say that you can be um, you can be uh, plant based and you can still be a bodybuilder, you can you still. Wanna sh- I want to show you a little something. Just <laughs> I want to take this opportunity for my friend to do this. Just do it like right here or something. So you know he eats super whole food, uh, oh. plant based. Oh, I was gonna do it, but the way my camera's set up, they wouldn't. <laughs> That's impressive. Very nicely done. Yeah. yeah, we didn't plan that. Um, I was thinking about it while you're saying, I'm like, we should definitely make him do this. Very good. I'm glad you embarrassed yourself. Now, what, what about the fish? Uh, what about fish protein from fish? And I know that fish is, uh, you know, people think of it as a health food, but yeah. just in terms of the pesticides, the DDTs and PCBs, which has been illegal in America for a while, they concentrate in the, in the fat of the fish. And they're in the ocean now, even though they've been illegal for years, they're still in the ocean. What about that? And the lakes. They're in the lakes too. It's everywhere. So you guys have done your research and you're spot on. You know, fish are more of a controversy. You can find, like, just in the last two weeks, a friend of mine in Kansas City, a cardiologist, published a paper, the PESCO Mediterranean diet is the best diet to prevent heart disease. Grains, fruits, vegetables, no red meat, eat fish, lots of olive oil. Kind of typical. And it wasn't an original research. They just put together all the data and made this proposal. I mean, other people like Dr. Longo have proposed the same thing two years ago in his book, The Longevity Diet. Um, So there are plenty of people out there that would say plants and fish are a great place to be. There's one study from the Seventh-day Adventist Loma Linda group that also supports it. But you're right, this is 2020, this isn't 1980. And fish do have a tendency through their gills to not just be exposed to mercury and PCBs and DDTs. And now we got terrible chemicals, PFAS, PFAS, and the rest. But they concentrate it in their fat. And there you are carving your salmon. You read about those nice fatty fish are good for your cholesterol and good for your Your brain. brain. And you can't taste mercury and PCBs. So in my clinic, I can tell you it's a real deal. I am in a relatively comfortable neighborhood of Detroit. People buy at Whole Foods, people buy at good markets. I check their blood mercury level, it can be sky high. I'm talking maybe 10 to 20% of them. And mercury is bad for your brain. It's bad for your blood vessels. It's bad for your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. Maybe part of dementia down the road. So it's a real deal. It's really out there. And um, what can you do? I mean, I don't, you don't need to eat fish. Frankly, a lot of new vegans find it um, easier to say, I'll be 100% vegan at home, whole food, 
But if I'm going to the restaurant with the family, I'm going to have a piece of salmon so I don't have to ask the waiter for special vegan entree. They don't want to make a big... I did that 44 years ago. I don't do that anymore. Um, I don't eat fish and I haven't for decades and decades and decades. But, um, you know, I think a lot of these issues will be solved with technology. There will be factory grown meats, if one wants, that will be checked uh, for toxins. There will be factory grown fish flesh in the next five, six years and maybe come down in price. None of that sounds appealing to me, but it may give some diversity to diet without being concerned about the toxicity. It's possible. Um, I wanted to speak about a work of literature you actually wrote about. The title like appealed to me right away. It was called Dead Execs, Don't Get Bonuses. Right. And um, which is the guide to survive your career with a healthy heart. And I found this very interesting because recently I was talking to people at work. Um, I work in the construction. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a plumber in New York City and I talk to a lot of people and all they can talk about almost all the time is their pension. They're looking forward to their pension. They're looking forward to retiring. That's when their life will start. But I've, I've had, um, I've come across incidences where people that say that they unfortunately pass away before they reach their pension due to health complications. After they're retired and, you know, never really fulfilled their dreams. So I was wondering, you brought that up, you know, it's uh, for guys your age and people listening, it may be more pertinent to their parents, Mm -hmm. but you know, there's a funny little paradigm or a situation, you know, you're not, not at your age, but a woman goes to see her gynecologist at age 45 and he or she is probably going to recommend to the woman, go get a mammogram. Well, I don't have any problem. Just that's what we do. We search for hidden silent disease. And at 50, your doctor tells you, go get a colonoscopy. I don't have any problem. Just don't take a chance. We want to make sure nothing's growing that's silent. A heart disease kills way more people than breast cancer and colon cancer. They're all bad diseases. And you do nothing about it. And you walk around and, you know, a month before you retire, a month after you retire, you have a massive heart attack and you drop dead. Even if you've seen a doctor and had your blood pressure or had your blood work. That's better to have that stuff done, but it's not a guarantee. So over the years, there have been some tests where you can get a few extra blood work. And uh, I do lay that out in this book. And finally, um, there's a CAT scan of the heart. I'm just gonna reach over and grab something on my desk. It's in my brochure, but not at your age, but you know, 45 years old wouldn't be bad. For about a hundred bucks in New York City, you lie on a stretcher, they put you in a tube, you hold your breath and you go home. It's not the claustrophobic one. And I think you can see that. The CAT scan shows the ribs, the bones, they show up in white around the chest. There's a lot of calcium in the ribs and bones. Mm-hmm. The black is the lungs, but the heart you can see with this CT is a gray blob, costs about a hundred bucks. And the yellow arrow is an example of millions of people right now in America hoping to retire. It's a heart artery full of calcium. That's what that white, white, white spot is where the yellow arrow is pointing. And that's a predictor. You might be at risk for a heart attack or dropping dead that nobody picked up with the stethoscope, with the blood work, with an electrocardiogram. This test used to be $1,000, but now some places do it for 50 bucks at NYU, at you know Cornell, at uh, Bellevue, wherever it is, it's called a heart calcium CT scan. And not at 25, but at 45, not a bad test. 
before you're about to cash out your pension, almost a mandatory test. Sadly, that test has been available for 25 years. If anybody's curious, you either can pop over to Amazon and get dead exec don't care bonuses, or even easier, honestly, on um, Netflix, there's a movie called The Widowmaker Movie. It's a pretty cool movie about that test and why nobody orders it. You know, why didn't, why didn't grandpa's doctor order that test at age 55? Why did grandpa have to die at age 57? And it could tear you apart. Why didn't it happen? I mean, grandpa would have paid a hundred bucks to know he had heart disease yeah. or grandma. How, how can you possibly have, how can you possibly have a heart attack? You know, I don't know much about this stuff, but how can you possibly have a heart attack when they're checking your blood pressure and it's fine? Don't you need a, like an increase in pressure to block off one of the arteries and then that's it? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, the idea is, and I'm always, I got little tools around here and toys because I'm talking to patients all day long. That's kind of a model of what a healthy artery looks like. And it's just a nice pipe. We can talk about all the details, it's unnecessary. It's very easy as time goes by. Even, it might actually start even at age 25, 30, if you test it right, just little tiny spots of garbage in your artery, but easily 45, 50, 55, the arteries start to fill up with plaque, cholesterol, yellow garbage, butter-like stuff from butter in your arteries. And even if it's, you know, getting pretty bad, you still may get enough blood flow down that artery that you're not short of breath. Or maybe you're getting short of breath and you think it's asthma. Or you're not getting chest tightness. Or maybe you think it's some heart failure. Well, one day, all it takes, a good argument with your boss, good argument with your wife, one cigarette, one fettuccine Alfredo dinner like James uh, Gandolfini from The Sopranos ate about seven years ago, dropped dead an hour after a plate of fettuccine Alfredo full of fat, 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 and butter. Uh, and, all, and all of a sudden, your artery is 100% blocked and you're having a heart attack or you die. So it can be silent for years and literally in 30 minutes, completely block off. It doesn't take now, if you're walking around with a blood pressure 170 over 110 and you know it and you're ignoring it or you never get a check, yeah, that's going to bring that crap on a little sooner on average. But even if, you know, you just left the doctor's office, hey, Joe, Jane, you know, blood work came out good, your blood pressure was decent, sounded good, everything's okay. You know, everybody's heard of a story an hour later, a day later, three weeks later. You do the CT scan, you won't miss those people. And that, that blockage doesn't cause an increase in blood pressure? No. Really? You know, it doesn't. No, those, it may, because those are diseased arteries that get stiffer. Stiffer arteries might raise your blood pressure, but it's not necessarily the case. And what can, if you have arteries that are that blocked, but you're not, a, you're not like on the verge of a heart attack, but it's coming in, in relatively soon, what can reverse all of that? Yeah, that's the Ornish diet we talked about in 1990 and now approved. That's the ischemia study. Start walking. Read about Mr. Nathan Pritikin. Read about Michael Greger's MD's grandmother. Start walking. Start eating whole food plants like we're talking about. Uh, get lab studies to try and understand why. And the majority of people will not have a heart attack, will not need a bypass, will not need a stent. Now, whether they're going to be able to go from 80% block back to their 20 year old arteries, that's not really the expectation. Mm -hmm. Slowly, 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 you can start to reverse the process. And you as a cardiologist have done this to patients. Oh, yeah. um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Hundreds of times, yeah. That's... Rather than have their bypass, rather than have their stents. Yeah. Wow.
I mean, it's paid for, but you know, the insurance companies pay for it. I mean, it's not out there in the realm of woo. I mean, there's a lot. This is in goop cardiology, although I love Gwyneth. Happy birthday, Gwyneth. She just turned 48. But uh, it's not goop cardiology. It's science. It's, you know, approved by insurance companies. We just don't teach it. I just wanted to ask you, because a lot, uh, majority of our audience is around our age group in their 20s and stuff. And I was going to say, what is the first step or what kind of mindset should you have if you are interested in approaching this type of um, change in lifestyle or diet change? It's fun. It's, you know, it's easy now to find some good, healthy, you know, uh, role models, whether that's on the Game Changers movie, if you're a weightlifter, Nime Delgado and Bianca Taylor. If you don't know who they are, they're just huge Instagram stars. And he's, he's been on the cover of Muscle Fitness magazine and you look what he eats. It's the same food I eat. He eats three times as much because he's working out all day long lifting weights. The guy's a beast. Um, and and uh, Bianca Taylor is just, she's fun. She's beautiful. She's a you know, fitness and dance and uh, pole dance. And she's a badass woman. Badass vegan. I think he's just funny as heck on Instagram. You know, but he's eating really good foods. I mean, there's so many examples of young people on Instagram that you can look to. Uh, I'm looking for a few others uh, that are really young. Robbie, John Joseph. What's that? John Joseph is 58. He's, he's not there. So but he's cool. Bobby, but he's cool. Bobby Barbero in his 30s. And, you know, there's, there's plenty. Uh, you do want to stay away from, you know, food by Chloe's. I mean, having, you know, gigantic, messy burger, fry, malts, they're all vegan. Yeah, do that once in a while. But that's not where you want to spend your time. So great role models. Um Dive on in. I mean, there's just no reason not to. And you want to do it most days of the week. And, you know, once in a while, you're off path, fine. But there's no reason to do that. It's so easy nowadays. Yeah. I feel like a lot of, uh, especially younger generation, they they look at it as it's a type of, like, trend or a type of fancy diet. And they don't they don't want to follow something that's unconventional. They, want to, they don't want to be the outside, like the black sheep of their group of friends. Because I feel like, adapting a lifestyle change almost takes a level of isolation in a way because that's true in plumbers that's true yeah. in heart docs that's true in students yeah. but you know really nowadays i mean i think we've broken the stigma that this is a tree hugging you know cult uh and all it's just it's too much everywhere and you know all you gotta do is go watch the game changers or yeah. you know get a couple role models and uh, you know, and you're real. Don't be rude to your family and your friends and don't blow them off. But to say in a peer group nowadays, I'm vegan, uh, that's no big deal anymore, particularly at your age. I got to wrap it up in a couple of minutes. I do actually have a patient from New yeah. Zealand that's calling me of all. No problem. Thank you. Things. Yeah. No, it was great. You guys are like, I've been interviewed lots of times because I always say yes. And you're like up there with the university professors. So oh. <laughs> I've been watching, sure. I've been watching I've documentaries been a lot. Why I've been watching handstand pushups. So <laughs> pretty cool. All right, yo, thank you, man, so much. It's really. a great pleasure. And, you know, just, just no excuses, break down the barriers, get started inch by inch. If you want to go slow, do a 21 day, like uh, mm -hmm. PCRM is, it's called 21daykickstart.org. If you just want a program to jump in for three weeks, uh, you don't need a dietitian. You don't need to spend a lot of money. This is a very, you know, college, early in your career, favorable thing to do. You're going to waste money on, you know, fancy restaurants and fish and steak and 
all the rest. Now, of course, you can save money at McDonald's and Burger King, but you'll be paying it for medical prescriptions and surgeries down the road. So that's just short-sighted. Thank you so much. Yes. Dr. Be well. Peace. Peace, Dr. Joel Khan.